My guest today is Rebecca Brooks, the CEO and founder of Alter Agents, which is a super cool name. It totally like <laughs> 007's research up, I think, in a good way. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Yeah, we've known each other for ages in the industry. Yeah. But it's been ages since we've seen each other at the same time. I know. It's really good to see you. So we are at the live at the Wire events today with um, uh, in Austin with IAEX. I have not been to Austin in literally over 20 years, and the mm. city has completely changed. Um, how long have you been part of WIRE? I've been part of WIRE, I mean, I feel like since the beginning. Um, I started going to the first meetings in L.A. Uh, about 10 years ago, which is when it started. And I'm really happy to be um, more fully engaged with the group than ever before. So I'm the Los Angeles event lead for Got the it. program. I'm also a mentor. I'm part of the executive group. We're going to our summit next month. So it's become a really integral part of my professional life. I love well, it. Well, yeah. we're going to we're gonna dive into your business in just a minute, but I want to just uh, focus a little bit on WIRE. Talk to me a little bit about the mentorship program. Like what sort of person are you looking for to fill that seat? And then the other side of it is the mentee. Like what kind of person is a good fit in that role? Yeah. I mean, I think that um, anybody with, you know, 10 plus years of experience in the industry, whether it's all on the client or all on the, the supplier side, is a valuable mentor and really someone that will help younger women navigate the corporate world. Um, a lot of them are trying to come up in their business, so they're looking to get promotions, they're looking to get raises, and that's a difficult thing for anybody to navigate, but especially young women, particularly if their organization is very male-dominated. So um, the, the WIRE mentors really have invaluable experience in that regard because they've all been successful enough to navigate that path, right? Um, and then in terms of the mentees, I mean, we're really looking for women that will not only benefit from the program, but that will also continue the legacy of WIRE and in a few years turn around and mentor themselves and, you know, that are really committed to the program. It's an important work on both yeah. sides of it. What kind of time commitments involved? For me, well, I've been with my mentee now for two years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She had the option of leaving and going to somebody else, but she stuck with me, which was nice. Yeah. Um, so we talk every month. Uh, we try to do it in person if we can, but schedules don't allow that. We usually have a, a list of objectives that we're going through from short-term goals to long-term goals. So we're always addressing those, talking about them. Um, and then I'm, I'm available to her you know, if things arise. So yeah, but usually once a month. So let's shift gears a little bit. Alter agents. Tell me mm -hmm. a little bit about what you guys do. So we're a full service market research consultancy. Um, we're really uh, methodology agnostic, um, vertical agnostic. We do qualitative and quantitative. We work with large companies like Hyundai Motor America and Viking River Cruises. We work with smaller brands like um, Hum Kombucha and Evelyn and Bobby. So we uh, really what we found is that our niche isn't in a particular type of research or with a particular type of industry, but really more around those clients that need a more consultative partner. You know, a lot of people can execute a project, but those clients that really need somebody to guide them through the study design, we get really in deep with why the research is being done, what questions are going to be answered from it, what are they going to do with that, what decisions are going to be made. Um, and then we work with them on really 
evangelizing the findings throughout the organization at the end. We don't just deliver a report, but we'll do workshops, we'll do additional deliverables for the C-suite. So we really try to be more of a uh, of a partner in a broader sense. So we tend to work best with companies that have small research departments or um, you know, are, are really understaffed in that area or overworked in that area where we can take on a heavier load than a traditional research company. Have you seen this activation of research as a trend inside of our space? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I've always gravitated towards it in my career. It was very... Um, challenging for me when I would deliver something to a client and then it would just go into the void right and I wouldn't get to see what happened with the data and I loved having clients come back because then I could see what had they done what decisions were being made so for me it was always kind of a personal um, desire and itch I needed to scratch so mm. I tended to gravitate towards those clients that wanted that back and forth communication but I do feel that the industry as a whole is kind of pulling into either DIY, mm -hmm. here's your technology mm -hmm. and your product, or pulling more in the direction that my company is, which is more sort of uh, consultative, consultative, you know, white glove, hands-on kind of servicing. So you're launching some research on how brand category affects purchase behavior. Tell me a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. We should have our data out in the summer. But the idea is that we've been noticing a lot with our clients that the, the influence of technology in any industry has been driven towards consumer convenience. The idea that you want to eliminate as many barriers as possible for the consumer so they can go to purchase. And what that's creating, whether we're talking about luxury cruising or automotive or a, a beverage drink, what that's creating is an environment where, depending on the context of the purchase, the shopper can actually be almost mindless about it. So if you think about like a subscribe and save feature on Amazon where you set it up once and then you never have to think about it, your dishwasher detergent is coming every, every month, right? Um, it's great for Amazon, right? And it's great for the brand that won that subscribe and save. But if you're a brand trying to break into that or if you're trying to convince people, you have an additional barrier now of not only convincing them to try your product, but to delete their subscribe and save. Yeah, that's a big, that could be a big, I mean, the whole reason you set that up is to one and done and, you know, forget right? it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking for years at Alter Agents and our eBooks that we've been putting out about how traditional research isn't addressing the, the questions that marketers need to answer. And this in particular, I think is something that we've been seeing affecting more and more of our clients, the way that consumer expectation for convenience counteracts traditional marketing efforts. And so we need research to be a lot smarter about the context of the purchase, the priorities of the shopper. So the research that we'll be doing and, and distributing this summer is really about demonstrating that there are different questions that we should ask beyond awareness, familiarity, consideration. We need to really get deeper and talk about it from the consumer's perspective. So we're, we're hoping to have some really strong numbers behind that. Talk to me a little bit about the gap that uh, I was talking with Michelle earlier that you, you know, your point of view is that there's a gap that's widening between everyday CPG products um, in the marketplace and then how it's engaging at a category level. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about 
sort of your thesis there. Yeah, and I really think, again, it comes back to the technology has been working to make those everyday purchases as simple as possible for people, whether it's a subscribe and save or whether it's the way that grocery retailers have been reorganizing their shelves to put the most uh, you know, desired products up front and, and all of the science behind the way people are physically shopping. All of those things are pushing the consumer to not have to think about it. And um, that is a very different kind of shopper context than when you're looking at brands that are pushing more towards the purchase as an experience, where the purchase itself is part of what you're getting from the brand. It's not just the end product. It's almost like the box, you know, as Apple kind of redefined packaging as part of the product <laughs> experience, but now you're actually going upstream further, it sounds like. Yes. Yes. And that the, um, you know, I mean, there's the, the high end luxury stuff like BMW flying you over to actually pick up your car in Germany and drive it around the country and then ship it home. Right. That's a very high end extreme. But even things like, you know, a Patagonia jacket. Right. You go into that store and you have an experience that is as memorable as the jacket itself. So there are there's this real sort of pull into these strong extremes and um, you know, the sort of blanket, this is how people shop or this is how we should market to people just doesn't work without understanding the context of the category. Okay. This is a super interesting topic. You know, Google and Amazon have been gobbling up generic brands, Mm -hmm. right? Paper towels, for example, I think I can't remember which one won it, but that happened last year. Um, And as opposed to brawny or Scott's or right. You know what I mean? So now, when you're acquiring your product, if you're blind from a consumer journey perspective, like because you're ordering in a voice environment, that's a big problem if you say paper towels versus brawny, right? Like to pick on brawny, I don't know why. It's because I grew up with the commercials of the brawny guy. So, you know, that, are you, with your connection to your customers, are you thinking about like how they're standing out from generic? Is that part of the, conversation? Absolutely it is. I mean, one of the things that technology has really done is pushed brand further away from the decision-making process. I mean, and everybody shops on Amazon, right? So you're sil- you're filtering by, well, first of all, you're searching on the type of product you want. I want a blow dryer. I want, totally. you know, uh, markers. Yep. And then you're filtering on things like prime or price or whatever. Um, and then brand comes into it at the end. If that, I mean, maybe at that point you're picking the best reviewed product and not even really thinking about the brand. So so what does a marketer do in that context, right? They need to understand the triggers that are that are pushing people to those products. Brand may not be one of them. Maybe your marketing strategy isn't so much about the brand name, right, and the brand feeling as it is about the distribution channels. So that's really where we're trying to um, push our clients and push our researchers into that sort of what is that space that they're making that decision in? Yeah, which we saw with the Berkshire Hathaway announcement, right, about Heinz uh, getting yes. crushed in that yeah. in that context because they weren't they were considering the brand piece of the thesis, mm-hmm. but not necessarily channel distribution, which is was as it turns out a big problem. Right, and if you think about you know traditionally we've grown up on the fifty top global brands, right. and a lot of them have been CPG, and I don't think that that'll be the case in ten years. Yeah, and it's really hard for a brand to position themselves as the Kleenex in their category. Right. right? I mean that's very <laughs> yeah. hard to pull off. Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing it, you know, not just in CPG, but we're kind of seeing it across the board. I mean, we work in a lot of different categories and it is um, even our Viking River Cruises client, they're, you know, 
uh, target demographic are people over 60. Um, and they're expecting a lot of technology and convenience and ease of use when they go to their website. And um, they want a lot of those decisions taken away from them to make an easy purchase. So it, it's really across the board. Yeah. yeah. The consumer is valuing time more than anything else right now. And mm -hmm. as you, the more barriers there are, and it's a no brainer kind of point that I'm going to make and everybody knows what it is. The more barriers are the, the right. higher the likelihood of dropout uh, through that process. But, you know, I think it's even, we need to pull back more and re-envision. I mean, it's, there's a lot of sites that I shop where I'm like, oh my gosh, where is the buy now? Like I'll add stuff to my cart, but I can't figure <laughs> out how to check out. And I'm like, what in the hell's going on? Like, right. how's that the hard part of this? <laughs> well, and you know, people experience a really amazing convenience in one category, like being able to dial up an Uber on your phone. Right. And then they expect the same convenience somewhere else. Yeah. So why is it so easy for me to get a car? Uh, to take me from one place to another, but I have to hunt down my broker with smoke signals and totally. you know, so there's uh, a frustration that's growing. It's not, and it's it's really also we emphasize this a lot. It's not the younger generations only either. Right, uh, everyone's getting really used to convenience, yeah. and everybody's expectations are rising. So you have these sort of tensions of. Uh, brands needing to meet cons consumer demands for convenience, but then in doing so are losing some of the brand focus. Last question. How do you think market research is going to adapt over the next five years? You know, <laughs> it's hard to be in the prediction business in this industry these days. Which is funny. <laughs> it's, um, I, you know, I started in market research when things were still done on paper and online was something where uh, there was a lot of skepticism about it. So I've, I've seen the industry go through a lot of changes, but I think the changes that are coming now are coming at us from all angles, right? It's coming at us from uh, machine learning and AI and automation of analysis, which is really uh, fascinating and kind of you know scary at the same time. So I, I, there's no stopping technology and there's no stopping how quickly it's going to advance. Um, and I think it's going to continue to, in, in really in our industry as well, the consumer's convenience, right? Our research buyer's convenience is paramount for them also. So a lot of these technology tools are pulling in that direction, but then you have companies like mine that are also trying to, uh, you know, retain the quality and the depth of analysis. So. I, you know, honestly, who knows? Um, it'll be really interesting to see. It will. And uh, the other point I, you know, riff on there is the point of insight consumption is interesting too because um, tools have democratized access to the consumer. It used to be the case it was just the researcher that had that capacity to conduct research, thinking about the old days of pencil yep. and paper and yep. phone. And now all of a sudden anybody and everybody does, in fact, uh, conduct research. So, so you know, that's, it's a from a market research category perspective, you know, we really need to think long and hard about, you know, who really is our target customer and then how right. we're going to adopt or ad help the organization as a whole adopt insights. Yeah. Well, I, on a tangent, I mean, I, I really feel like market research is very similar to what's happened to the news media since yeah. the internet has begun where... That's a really were, good analogy, actually. Yeah, there were a few people in control of the mm -hmm. information, right? And everybody was getting the same information. We used the same methodologies, yep. the same basic principles. Um, and then the internet came along and democratized information. And that's right. what's happening in market research now, too. And I think one of the, the startling things about it is that we have some quality concerns um, that you it's know, it's like the understatement. It's capital concerns, right? I mean, right. it's a big problem. Yeah. 
um, that when people can go out and do it themselves without the background, without the information, what is the quality of that data? And even though it's very accessible and easy to get to, is it accurate? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're we're in that beginning to see that transition start to happen. It'll be interesting to see how our industry reacts. My guest today has been Rebecca Brooks, CEO, founder of Alter Agents. Thanks so much for joining me on Happy Market Research Podcast. Thanks, Jamin. Let's enjoy the Wire event. All right.